So like I love being outdoors and our life was never chaotic. And that kind of is still a common theme that I try to prioritize, even as Austin and I grow our businesses is like, how do we have the balance so that we can still spend time in nature, go on trips, be with our friends? Like that's really important to us, which feeds into my coaching a lot because that's so not cool. So like if you work for yourself, you're supposed to be killing yourself. And I'm like, that is just, no, we don't want to do that. (laughs) So how do we make money, but not kill ourselves in the process? Hey guys, this is Coach K and you're listening to the Making Changes, Breaking Barriers podcast, where we talk about you. This is about you, your mind, and your path. So very excited today. We have this very awesome woman here to join us on the podcast episode. We have Grace Pillsbury here coming from Florida. You're in Florida, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I know you live in Jacksonville. I just wasn't sure if you were there exactly right now, but yeah, very excited to talk with Grace about her business and what she's put together over there. So I'm just going to go ahead and get started with a quick bio for Grace, and then we will jump right into our conversation. Grace Pillsbury is an entrepreneur coach and business owner of Wild Ellis, which is a marketing agency for small businesses based out of Jacksonville, Florida. Wild Ellis supports female-owned businesses with everything marketing from building a new website to marketing strategy and social media marketing. Grace is located in Jacksonville, Florida, like we already talked about, but the beauty of working with people in the online space is that she has the potential to work with businesses all over the country. So no matter where you're listening from, you have the opportunity to take advantage of Grace's services. So let's go ahead and just get started. Hi, Grace. How's it going? Hi. Things are going well. The year has been off to a crazy start, and I'm really excited about a lot of things that we have in the work. Yes, I we follow each other on social media and maybe I'll get into a little bit more of like how we actually know each other. But I see that you are very busy over there with a lot of different things, but it's it's always really cool to see what you guys are coming up with and who you're working with and even some of the personal things that you share on social media too. I, I like keeping up with your guys' life over there. But just to give a little bit of a background for my listeners, I I guess short story, I know Grace... From I met Grace for the first time just this past year at my older brother's wedding in Jacksonville, Florida, where she served as the day of coordinator for their wedding day, which you did an awesome job. It was cool to see you in your element and, and a taking charge on on that day. <laughs> did it all go well from your perspective? Like, I don't think we ever talked about it after the fact. It was definitely a like, it was one of the most fun weddings I've ever been to. And I will say like, Katie and Alex thought through everything and it was so fun to be able to watch them and all their friends just celebrate and have a good time. And yeah, I loved, I love being big picture, keeping everything in place. So it was a fun night for me too. Yeah. And I, I know we're going to, you know, talk more about your other business, but is day of, is like wedding coordinating, like, is that something that you do normally or was this just like a favor to a friend sort of thing? The fact that I ended up coordinating someone's wedding and getting paid for it is like a really good example of how a lot of things happen in my life. (laughs) I am like more so than anyone else in my family. I think I am like the jack of all trades and people like it's a joke, like a friendly joke with me is that if you need it done, Grace could probably do it mostly because I, I consume a lot of information and I learn things really fast from just like watching. So 
having been in a lot of weddings and having done florals, I was like, I can coordinate. Of course. And, and being in like marketing, there is an element of event space. And so some of the things like, Oh, we need to take out the trash, you know, like that does cross my mind, but I feel like I'm always like, Oh, I can do this. I could do that. I could do all of these things. And people kind of just really, <laughs> but it's pretty cool to have that skill though, just to be able to be like adaptable enough that, you know, you're like, I'll just be able to figure it out. Even if I don't know exactly how to do it was it easier or harder than you thought it might be so much harder I gained a new appreciation for everyone I know who works in the event industry that day not because it was so bad or anything but like it's just hard like you have to be thinking of so many things at one time and like details that you cannot forget like I was responsible for telling the bride when to go and I was like (laughs) yeah I can't mess (laughs) this up I can't mess this up (laughs) Well, from a, I mean, I guess I was, I was in the wedding party, but from like a spectator's standpoint who had, who was in charge of basically nothing that day, it all went really well. And I agree that it was an awesome wedding. So I think you did a good job. (laughs) Love to hear Uh, that. Yep. Yep. Well, and I guess part of the long story too, is we do have the family connection as well. Grace is married to Austin Pillsbury, who I know from childhood back in El Dorado Hills, California, where he lived at the time and I was best friends with his cousin. So we have that weird roundabout family connection too, which is funny, but also kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. When When I told Austin that you had asked me to be on the podcast, he was like, Never in my wildest dreams did I think that this would be happening one day. <laughs> I know. It's, it is pretty, you know, it was cool to meet you in Jacksonville, but then to see, so Austin actually played music at my brother's rehearsal dinner the night before the wedding. And so that was the first time I had seen him. And I mean, it had to have been at least 20 years, I would think. <laughs> so I'm not even sure he recognized me. I only really probably recognized him because I knew he was going to be there. Um, but it's always, it's just kind of cool to like make that those roundabout connections and see people again after such a long time. Yeah. All right. Well, let's learn a little bit more about you. So, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, you are an entrepreneur coach, you own your own business, you know, from wherever you want to start, basically, like, how did you get to this point where you are now? Well, I definitely didn't have like a normal like life in that our family just always did things kind of unconventionally. Me and both my brothers were homeschooled all of our schooling years. And so being around my dad, owning, starting multiple businesses, you know, things that he would run out of our home, things that he would travel to go do. I was homeschooled, so I could tag along and see a lot of it happen in real life. Um, And watching him hire people, manage people, fire people, like I was just kind of around for all of it. And I graduated high school when I was 16. So I had this weird head start. I was like so immature and so young, but they sent me off to college. And I was like, okay. I don't know how how, to do anything. How old were you when you started college? I was not 17. Oh my goodness. Uh, So I, you know, I didn't even know that you could talk to the teachers. I went to my first college class and I just sat there and I did my work and that, and I left like just so I had a lot of crazy, weird learning curves 
had to learn how to like make friends as an adult. I was socialized as a kid, but with kids that I had known my whole life. So a lot of my like social skills, networking skills were born out of this like instant need to like fit in and be normal and like connect with other adults, which I think that like immersion really did help me looking back because I can kind of walk into any meeting, any business setting and figure out like how to get in there essentially. But yeah, I grew up here in Jacksonville, grew up like we spent a lot of time outside. We had animals, bonfires, four-wheelers, all that stuff. So, like, I love being outdoors. And th- our life was never chaotic, and that kind of is still a common theme that I try to prioritize, even as Austin and I grow our businesses, is, like, how do we have the balance so that we can still spend time in nature, go on trips, be with our friends? Like, that's really important to us which feeds into my coaching a lot because that's so not cool. So like if you work for yourself, you're supposed to be killing yourself. And I'm like, that is just, no, we don't want to do that. (laughs) So how do we make money, but not kill ourselves in the process? I want to get more into that work-life balance a little bit later, because I agree that that is, it's such an interesting thing, right? Like the grind culture, the the hustle culture, you know, you tell someone like a mentor, for example, that like, I'm going to start my own business. I, I feel like the first thing that comes out of their mouth is like, are you prepared to work 20 hour days? It's like, no, I'm not. But I think mm-hmm. I can like at least start to try this without working 20 yeah. hour days. So yeah. we'll have to get into that more. But I'm curious, what kind of businesses did your dad run or start when you were growing up? So he actually started... And I grew up hearing these stories. So like he started his first business when he was 17. He went to boarding school for high school. But when he would come home in the summer, his dad, my grandfather always was like, yeah, do your own thing. Like they had a lot of money. He was really rich growing up. But my grandfather wanted him to be prepared for life and knew that he was a very ambitious person. So he was like, yeah, do this, do that. And he would connect him with people, which is that's exactly what my dad did for us, for all of us. But you know, he started mowing lawns for Burger Kings. And then he nice. started fixing people's cars. And then he started being a handyman. That's how he met my mom. She hired him to do a job at the store where she worked. And he asked her out like it was just so crazy. But so he did all that. Like as a kid, he owned his own body shop and mechanic shop for quite some time. I want to say probably close to maybe like 15 years before I was even born. And then during my lifetime, he was a mechanic. He had a full shop at our house, like full time worked out there. And then he started doing antique dealing. So that was really cool. My first like real job was at an antique store. He's always been a carpenter. So like he makes custom furniture. We had a fully functioning farm at one point in the midst of all of this. So like agriculture, like he really just was like, oh, sounds cool. Let's do it and see what happens. But a really valuable lesson I learned from him, especially as I got older, was like, just because something was an exciting idea that you're passionate about, if it stops working, like you just have to let it go. It's not a personal thing. It's not an emotional thing. Like every business concept has a lifespan. And like, you have to realize that early on or you will end up like depressed, run into the ground, broke. And so, you know, there were the there came the day that we sold all of our animals because it wasn't making us money anymore. There came the day that we closed the store that we had because it wasn't profitable. So just stuff like that and like watching him pivot over and over and over and like he never chose to be like, Wow, 
what a failure. What am I going to do that didn't work out? He was like, well, this isn't working anymore. So what's something else I can do? What's another connection I can leverage to open up another stream of revenue? It was like this constant ebb and flow from one thing to the next, which is really like I have to challenge myself to do that. But it's just more exciting that way. First of all, I love that his first job was mowing the lawn of Burger Kings. Like when you first said, you know, they had a lot of money. That was not what I was picturing as his first job, but I love it, you know, and it just, I think shows the, the dedication to entrepreneurship. It sounds like your dad had, and do you use him as a mentor? Like, is he someone you talk about your business with? Yeah, a lot. Me and Austin both go to him for different things. I usually will like run my big ideas by him because he has had so many different concepts over the years. Austin really leverages his knowledge in like management, like as far as managing employees, like building a workplace culture, that kind of thing, because he's had so many employees over the years. And even down to like filing taxes when you're self-employed can be really complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, both my parents have helped us with that a lot too. And I want to go back to that piece of advice that your dad gave you just about, hey, if something's, even if it is something you originally were passionate about and potentially still are, but, but hey, it's not working and we need to be realistic about that. Let's move on. I feel like that's huge and so hard for people to do. Have you, do you feel like you've had to take that advice and actually put it into play yet in, in anything that you've tried, like created at this point? No, but I think I'm approaching it, honestly. And not so much that I think anything is gonna have to like end, but I think I'm gonna have to change the way I run my business. And it and come like I'm coming to terms with the fact that like, it doesn't have to look like it did in my imagination for so long for it to be something that I enjoy or something that works. And it's like, I think that is a hard part of being someone who is very driven. And like this applies even if you're not a business owner. Like if you're really passionate about one specific area of life, it can be really hard to not romanticize how it's going to play out. But like it doesn't have to play out exactly like you imagine for it to be good or for it to work or you like I was saying to enjoy it. And you'll be able to do so much more if you can kind of have a looser grip on like the fantasy of things. Yeah, and be okay that maybe a part of what you were putting together failed, right? Or like was a loss or mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Like I feel like I'm dealing with that a little bit right now too. Like I've started out with, out with all, of the, all these ideas and I got most of them in play at this point. There's some that are working well. There's some that I feel, you know, maybe haven't completely grown in the way I've wanted to but they've grown and I'm enjoying it and let's keep doing it while there's others that I've very much had to consider you know is this worth my time even though it is something I'm enjoying but it's like my time is valuable you know I have a full-time job I have all these passion projects at what point do we kind of just have to like let those things go and, and feel okay with that and not feel like I failed or it was a bad idea to start but that's just all part of the process. And I think social media makes it so much worse because if you are a person who shares much of their life, most people are going to know that you're trying something new. And so if you put out there, Hey, I'm doing this thing or I'm, I started a podcast or I'm coaching people. And then you're like, if it doesn't go anywhere or if it goes somewhere for a little bit and then it starts to fizzle out, there is that like public exposure of your failure that you're like, 
uh, well, I don't want anyone else to know that it didn't work. So let me just keep digging in my heels for this thing that may or may not be a dead end. At least that happens to me. <laughs> no, me too. I, I'm with you. The whole social media thing. I mean, that being a big piece of it, but is is very, I don't know, like a little bit of a constant battle. You know, how much do I share on social media? How much of, do I make about my business versus personal life? How quickly do I share an idea to even get feedback versus, oh, now I've shared this idea too quickly and it's actually not something I'm going to pursue. And so have I made myself look like a fool at this point? I mean, there's like a million thoughts that go through my head as well. But regarding social media, this was actually something I wanted to bring up with you because I know that part of your a big part of your business is social media, obviously marketing your guys' services, but then also helping other people market theirs. So I'm guessing you spend a lot of time on social media. Am I wrong? You are very correct. Okay. I wish I didn't, but I do. If it wasn't for your everything you're doing, do you think you would like from a personal standpoint or you think you would like pick up Instagram every couple days? I ask myself that question a lot, honestly. I don't know why, but I do. I think I would probably still use it heavily for a personal outlet because I am an extrovert. So I love that feeling of connection with my friends. And I have a lot of friends across the world. And so it is really fun to see what they're up to and to share. And like, I do, I do think I use it a little more relationally than the average person. I'm not a big, like mindless scroller. I go on there and have like long ass conversations or like <laughs> go and just like scroll through my friends videos, stuff like that. But I definitely, I definitely hate that there's like an obligation to it because of my job. Like, I love creating the strategy. I love creating the content. I love figuring out a plan that will work. But when it comes to implementing, if I could just like pay someone a bunch of money to do that piece, I, I would, but I'm just not there yet. Yeah. Have you started to use the, do you use the feature on Instagram where you like schedule out posts? Yeah. yeah. So because we're dealing in so much volume, everything is automated except for reels. We still like to do those in live in the moment, but for the most part, that's what makes it affordable for our clients is that we, there's their majority of their investment is going towards the strategy, the content creation, and like the engagement as far as the daily posting, we are using as much automation as possible so that we can put our time into more like higher returning tasks. I literally just used the scheduling feature for the first time this weekend. And I like, I got all the posts scheduled and I showed Cora my phone. I was like, I'm so proud of myself to like to do this because yeah, yeah I don't know how I, how I just figured that out, but it's just all been a very much a learning process for me. Do you feel, if you don't mind me asking, you know, personally, like what do you find are your big, biggest struggles with social media or, or even getting more into like that work-life balance piece? What are some of the things that you feel like you struggle with, with owning your own business, both as an entrepreneur coach and like as the boss of Wild Ellis? There's a couple things, but I would say like a really big one is social media because it's so instant instant, and like there's this illusion that you're getting real-time access to someone's life. I mean, it, it's kind of human nature. Like you want to follow the example that you're watching. So if we're following influencers and streamers and these people who literally share every waking moment, 
your brain is going to start telling you, okay, that's what you should be doing. So then I'm like finding myself making dinner with Austin and being like, wait, and like wanting to Instagram the whole thing. And I'm like, this is not fun. It would be way more fun if I was just talking to you and hanging out. And it's like created this pressure to share stuff that literally no one cares, at least not coming from me. They're not, they don't care what I make for dinner. Um, And so I think that is also, I mean, that's a lie, right? Like you're believing this lie of like, I have to perform. I have to show some sort of something that gets you, I don't know, points, social, like social standing, like, look how cool you are. You share everything that you do. Like, I don't know when that became a thing, but it really does. The other main thing is just, like I said before, I consume a lot of information and I think there's pros and cons to that. Like there's a lot of knowledge and there's a lot of experts on Instagram that I can learn from, but it's such a fine line between like subconsciously copying other people's work or not having inspiration because all you, your brain is full of just stuff you've already seen done or just like feeling like, Oh, we don't have as many clients as that agency. I wish I could have a content day like that. Or, you know, I wish I could charge that much per hour as a coach, but it's like, okay, well, this girl's been doing that for like 10 years. So that's why she's charging that, you know, you've been doing this for two years. And so, but it's, it's exhausting to constantly have to be like giving yourself those pep talks of like, no, this is reality. Yeah. I feel like something that I've done is I've had those same thoughts. And then I look at how many posts that person has. I'm like, my God, they have 750 posts. Like I have like 150, you know, they've clearly been doing this for a long, like a lot longer than I have, Mm -hmm. but have you found there's things, I mean, you just talked about like a little bit of a pep talk, which I'm sure is effective, but like, are there things that you found help you stay balanced and and confident in what you're doing? Yes. And it definitely ebbs and flows. Like uh, there's always seasons where that doesn't happen as healthily as it should. But for the most part, I would say like my two big rules of thumb for myself. And I do often encourage like my clients to do the same is outside of work hours, turn off notifications. Like that way, if you do choose to open the app, or if I do choose to go on, like it's for my own personal entertainment, I'm not going to get sucked into work. And like, I even have a little rule with myself that if it's after 10 p.m., I am only allowed to go on the explore page and look at like stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with my life. Like, and that's just the mental boundary that I need because it kind of helps me relax, you know, whatever. But then the other thing is I'm, I'm like focusing on the truth is like a big thing for me. And so I have, you know, literal just like statements of truth, affirmations, whatever you want to call them of like, you know, when it comes to professional stuff, when it comes to personal stuff, like you don't owe anyone an explanation for X, Y, or Z, or like, you don't have to be on social media on the weekends. No one is going to miss you. <laughs> you know, like your friends will call you if they really want to talk to you. Silly things like that, but it's really helpful. Um, and with business, I remind myself constantly, like I'm serving the clients I have to the best of my ability. And if I'm lacking somehow, I can learn. And so I should be spending my time learning, not comparing myself to other brands on social. I really like that. I like that learning versus comparison because yeah, it's so easy to 
fall into that trap. But I love all those little things, right? Like whether it is the pep tops, pep talks or the things that you've learned that you may need to remind yourself even on a daily basis, but that's okay. Like, Hey, I'm willing to remind myself of this so that I can keep going and, and setting the boundaries on social media, um, is, is huge because I mean, we could just be on that pretty much all day long and, and get sucked into it. So we've talked about some of the challenges that you, I didn't intentionally mean to start with like only the, the tough stuff and the, the, the challenges of owning your own business, but can you explain a little bit more to the people that are listening, the difference between your role as an entrepreneur coach and then your role as the boss at Wild Ellis? It's so funny. I don't know why I picked the word boss. Like, I, I don't know. It, it works. Are you the but owner? Me, I am. Okay. But like, I'm, I also work in the business and I also manage people. So I don't know. That's where it, it just made me laugh to hear you say it like that. I, I like, like it. I like it. You know, it's like, you're the boss. It's awesome. <laughs> Basically, I would say the focus with coaching and I'll throw consulting in there because they really do end up going together. But when people are working with me one-on-one, the focus is really on a specific set of goals or a specific problem that needs to be solved. And it's very, it's very personal. Like it is very much like a self-growth process. We talk a lot about mindset. We talk a lot about like your self-esteem, your support system, your daily habits, things like that. Um, more how your lifestyle is impacting your business. A lot of these people are solo entrepreneurs. And so they work for themselves with themselves all the time. And so that really is an important area to focus on. And then I do provide and I can provide like strategic guidance. So it's like, okay, well, if part of what is making you insecure about your business is the fact that you don't have a marketing strategy, then let's make one. Or maybe there's lack of messaging, you know, clarity will go through the appropriate resources for that. So I try to equip like whatever philosophical problem they're having with a practical solution. Um, and then when we get to that point, Wild Ellis can provide practical agency services to kind of help with that workload of like the content creation, posting, running ads, building a website, all that stuff on the implementation side, we can, you know, make that workload a lot lighter. And then Wild Ellis is very like, it's not traditional, but we offer like your standard marketing, digital marketing services. So website, social media marketing, Google ads, copywriting, stuff like that, graphic design. And those clients usually end up coming in looking for a cookie cutter service. And then when they start working with us, they realize, oh, like you guys take a holistic approach to everything. And so if you say, well, these are our goals for our ads, we might be like, that's great. But that doesn't really line up with other areas of your business right now. So let's figure out how to get everything working strategically together. It's all just pieces of one puzzle that have to, they have to fit together or you're not going to get the results you really want in any of those individual areas. So then those people usually end up becoming consulting clients. So they, it, there's this constant back and forth. Um, and I have found the model works really well because what happens in coaching is people are like telling me the ins and outs of their brand. And then when it's time to do something like a website or a logo design, that process happens in half the time because I've already had this intake of all this information. So if I'm writing copy or if I'm passing, you know, assignments onto a graphic designer, it's already 
in me. So I just pass it along and it just makes everything so much more fluid and it's less of a headache for the business owner to outsource then at that point. I was going to say, and then you, you just said it, but I was like, it feels like you figured out the model, but I'm curious, did one of those things come before the other? Like when you started this up? Yes. So I started offering social media management. Um, That was the very first service I started doing in volume because I knew I could do it well. And I knew I could teach someone how to help me very quickly, which is what I ended up doing. And then through having like quarterly strategy meetings, I don't know why I put it in quotes. That's what they were. (laughs) (laughs) We had these quarterly meetings with our clients and I realized pretty quickly, okay, these conversations are always about so much more than social media. And they realized that I knew what I was doing. And so they started asking me about other areas of business or like other ideas that they had. And so our social media meetings ended up becoming just like business consulting. So I started offering that very cautiously because I didn't want to like oversell my knowledge at the time because this was three and a half years ago. So while I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll consult with you. I was on the, on the back end, I was like eating up any and all content I could find. I was reading books. I was listening to webinars. I was, you know, taking classes online, like anything I could get my hands on to make sure that I didn't give people bad advice. (laughs) Cause I was, how old was I? I was like 24. So I was young and I was like, but then I didn't even realize at the time that my whole life, my whole childhood was actually bolstering that knowledge and those, all those real life experiences I had, but I didn't put that together, honestly, until like a couple months ago. <laughs> but I was like, oh, the weird way that I grew up is probably one of my biggest selling points for being a business coach under 30. Like, so that's kind of cool. For sure. I mean, not many people grow up in that sort of environment. When you said that at the very beginning, and I, I was like, oh, everything makes sense now, right? That, you know, you, you grew up in that, that sort of environment. So it seems like you were offering up or it seems like you were giving this business consulting kind of just almost organically because it came with the social media marketing part of things. And so then you were like, okay, well, if I'm giving this, maybe I actually start charging for it. And now if I'm charging for it, I should probably make sure I 100% know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) All right. So Okay, that gives a little bit more clarity on like what it is you exactly do. So I'm curious, I mean, do you love what you do? Like, are you enjoying this process over the past, sounds like maybe three and a half years or so since you really got into this? There's there's always moments, you know, when you're like, I could just go get a job somewhere and come home and be done. But on the surface, other options are alluring. But really, I think because I... I don't take for granted that I know myself really well and that helps me make a lot of like major life choices. But anytime I consider that, I'm like, I know I would be miserable. And so I, even when it's hard and I'm like, this is a lot of hard work or I'm having to stretch myself or maybe I'm shorthanded if, you know, one of my team members moves on because they're all freelancers. But I'm like, ah, I'm doing all of this stuff, those moments make it worth it. Because when that isn't happening, I, I really do feel like not only am I just daily getting to do things that I'm good at, and that I enjoy, but I'm also literally helping other people do the exact same thing. So you know, being able to do the coaching, 
really like fills my cup emotionally. And then that gives me energy to go and do like the tactical strategic, like business operations type of stuff. I would assume that with your skills that and the fact that you've like created this business and have been successful with it, that you could potentially go work for like a bigger corporation, a bigger business and, and basically do what you're doing, but for their clients. But I would assume that there's some pretty big differences there in terms of like work-life balance and just having the complete autonomy to help clients in the way that you want to help them with the holistic approach and kind of all the approaches that you're taking. Are those kind of what holds you back? Or is there something that something different that holds you back from maybe pursuing something like that? No, I think about it sometimes, especially like just being transparent when you look at the dollars and cents, like being a small business owner is not not always the most lucrative way to live your life. But I don't, I don't really care that much about money, which can be a problem, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, (laughs) I think the idea of having like any sort of red tape really freaks me out. Like the idea that even if I had like an upper level management position, say I did, that if I had an idea and there was anything between me and that idea happening or like helping a client, like you're saying, that I'm just like, why would I even bother then? You know, and I know so many people who have corporate burnout because like they are really passionate, innovative people and that kind of stuff happens. They're like, we should implement this strategy for this brand that we manage. And there's like all these hoops you have to jump through and it might still not get approved and all this stuff. I'm like, if I have that good of an idea, I just want to be like, hey, client, let's do this. It's going to be awesome. And they're going to be like, okay. And then we do it. Yeah, I feel like that autonomy piece is huge, you know, and I think especially in coaching, once you get it, it's hard to give it back. Like I know that when I became a head college basketball coach, I worked within a a athletic department that did give me a lot of autonomy. I had a lot of autonomy, but within just my program, the women's basketball program to coach the team like I saw fit to create the culture that fit our current players Mm -hmm. and that I saw fit again. Yeah. And just had a lot of autonomy there. Like, you know, obviously had check-ins with management, but it was really never someone standing over my shoulder being like, you need to coach this exact way in terms of X's and O's or, or culture wise. And yeah, like I was saying before, like once you get that, I think it's really hard to ever, ever give it back in, in terms of, of coaching. So I could see how those dollar signs might be, you know, hard to look at and be like, why am I not pursuing that? But there's so many other, like the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? Yes. And, you know, Austin and I are both entrepreneurial and I don't think that I, actually, I can't even say things. I know for a fact that I wouldn't be where I'm at with both brands if it wasn't for him because he works really hard and he got started before I did. So he kind of laid the groundwork for both of us to be able to be working for ourselves full-time, which didn't happen until 2020. I had a full-time job up until then. I was doing, I was a florist. So that was another thing. Um, So, you know, that was really cool. And I was only able to do that because Austin had built his business. I mean, I helped him, but like he was the driving force and he was like, look, we can pay our bills if you want to quit and put all your energy into this. And like that first year, was so crucial to like 
you know, not every month. I didn't really contribute much every every month, you know, and then it got to a point where I was like, okay, we have retainer clients, we have recurring revenue, I can start to advertise like, and then it just snowballed from there. But we both are so driven by like, the joy that we get in it on a daily basis and how we can support each other, that the freedom that that allows, like, and even having a little bit of vision for the future of like, okay, well, you know, say we want to, which we do want to have kids. It's like, well, okay, well, what if we decide that two of our kids need to be homeschooled? And what if that's the best thing for those kids? We want to have freedom to be able to, one of us to teach our kid at home and like go on trips and take them to do cool things and make investments and set ourselves up for the future. And it's like, that just seems like a really cool adventure that we get to be so much more in control of if we don't have like a nine to five salary job. And I think that the appeal of that is just a little too strong to seriously consider anything else. I appreciate you bringing that up because that was something that I think I, I haven't brought up yet and I think is a really important piece of all of this too. And actually I can relate. Cora and I both let left, you know, she left a corporate job. I left working at a university back in, it actually ended up being 2021, but we kind of started formulating the idea in 2020. But we kind of had that same moment like, hey, we think we want to have kids we do still work for someone for our full-time jobs, but it, it comes with a lot of flexibility. Like we're almost running our own little coaching business within a bigger coaching yeah. business is, is kind of how it feels. But we're like, hey, we could take these jobs and it basically gives us the flexibility to both be at home. We can kind of take turns working during the day if we do end up having a little kid. But yeah, being able to have that flexibility and not have to pay for childcare, And I know some people have to do that and don't have the choice to do so, but I feel like is so huge. And obviously something it sounds like you experienced as a kid, as well as someone who was homeschooled. What was that homeschooling experience like, by the way? And, and you said something earlier that resonated with me because you said something about how that experience actually made you like more social or good at being social. Whereas I think some people, when they first think about homeschooling, they're like, how are they going to learn to like talk to other people? Which I feel like is such a silly concept, but. Oh man, there are so many misconceptions about homeschool kids. And to be fair, there are some really bad examples of homeschooling life, but those are the exception, not the norm. I grew up in a community with like the majority of my friends growing up were homeschooled and that was just luck. Honestly, like my mom had kind of already made a decision to do that before we met all these people, but that made it easier because there was other families to do things with and we would co-op and field trips and all this stuff. But I think because I knew every opportunity that I had to socialize, like dance class once a week, or I was part of a nonprofit that I that was focused on the arts, like drama, dancing, things like that. I knew, okay, this is my two hours, so I better make the most of it. And I was really shy up until the time that I was in middle school. So I still enjoyed those opportunities, but I wasn't like a social butterfly until I got a little bit older. But yeah, I would say like, it's like, okay, well, I have two hours to hang out with these people and have all the fun I can have before I'm going to go be at home with my mom for four days. <laughs> That's cool, though, that you guys were like, it does make sense that you would benefit as someone who was getting homeschooled to to find other people who were also getting homeschooled and to kind of create that little cohort between you guys. I'll say one other like thing about homeschooling is when, when people find out that I'm homeschooled, which I don't usually make it public knowledge. I don't know why. Maybe I should start 
but people are always like, oh, that's so surprising. And I ask why, because I'm like, that's a weird thing to say. And so I'm like, why do you say that? And it's usually one of two things. Either, well, you, you're really social. You're not weird. I'm like, I'm pretty weird, but okay. <laughs> and then the second thing they say is, well, you're really smart. And I'm like, yeah, I am. It's so weird. And I'm just like, you don't understand. <laughs> like, if you're homeschooled, you still do school. You maybe even do like more school. Does that second one yeah. weird to me? Because I, I don't think I would have that, you know, preconception of what being homeschooled meant. Maybe the social part was something that I grew up feeling yeah. like, oh, people who are homeschooled are, are kind of weird. Yeah. Or like less social, which obviously is not true, but um, it depends on the kid. Well, yeah, exactly. By the way, yeah, I think being homeschooled is cool and it's what makes you you and, and makes you unique as well. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, last kind of big question I have for you, and then we will go into our rapid fire round, which I do with every guest I have on the podcast. But yeah, last question is just like, what exciting things do you have coming up, whether that's within your businesses or even personally? Well, I am officially launching like a, a personal brand for to facilitate my coaching. And that will also kind of be the umbrella for special events, networking events. And then I'm hoping that will all evolve into like some sort of curriculum or membership. I'm not really sure what I want it to look like yet, but I'm, I'm really passionate about community and like having a good support system. And so I want to be able to facilitate that. I've considered doing like having a retail line, like a product. So I don't know. I'm excited to have the personal brand because I think it expresses me really well and it opens up a lot of opportunities for me to take things that like I'm already really passionate about and then just monetize them in a way that feels very natural. And I also know my clients really well. So I'm like, I know you're going to like this. So that makes me also excited about it. When it comes to Wild Ellis, I don't know what the future holds. Honestly, I think for the first time since I started it, I feel very open-handed about it. And so it's kind of like, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on with our clients that we get to help with. And that I think is really cool because it's like people that we've been working with for years. And it's like looking back at those conversations of like, yeah, in a couple of years, like I would love if this was happening. And we've been like consistently paving the way and doing that, that marketing, those strategic efforts. And now it's like, we're breaking out of the chrysalis and getting to see these people like, who just work their asses off. Like these are the most incredible women I know. And it's like getting to see them on the horizon of like, or on the cusp of like the dream version of their business becoming reality and having even the tiniest thing to do with it. I'm like, I this is awesome. You know? So, and, and I think it's a cool place to be where it's like, wherever this business goes, I'm just going to follow it and we'll see what happens. I've never really been that way. You can ask my friends. That's not me. So it's like new, but cool. So that makes me excited. I also feel like it's probably a sign that things are going decently well with it, right? It's like, okay, there doesn't really feel like there needs to be any like major changes and clients, you know, we have been working with clients for a couple of years and they're seeing a lot of the results and things that they've, they wanted to see and they set out for themselves, which by the way, I'm sure is also a super rewarding feeling for you as well. So congrats on that. But Okay. Let's go ahead and get into our rapid fire round to finish things up. So 
the goal of the rapid fire round, I have five questions for you. And it's for you to answer each question with, with one word to one sentence max. Although if you go over, it's okay. I'm not going to cut you off. And, for me. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the point is basically just to kind of say the first thing that comes to mind. All right. So question number one is what is one thing you're grateful for right now? There's so many things in my head. Honestly, my close friends in Austin, like my relationships are holding me up right now. You did say community is very important to you. So that makes sense. All right. Number two, how do you deal with a loss or a failure? And how do you deal with a win? Failure, I definitely deal by processing with someone that I trust, usually Austin or my brand coach as well, or my best friend. Win, I got to celebrate with my people. Nice. Or I buy myself something. (laughs) I love it. I also love that you have a coach, by the way. I feel like that's a really important piece that we kind of didn't really talk about. But the fact that like coaches need coaches is a foreign concept to some people, but is, is so valid. So yeah. All right. Number three, what is something that is making you inspired right now? The book I'm reading. Oh, what book? It's called The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women by Valerie Young. Literally changing my life. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to have to check it out. I love it. Okay. Number four, what's the best advice you have ever received? And maybe we answered this one earlier in our conversation. Ride the wave. Ride the wave. I love it. All right. And last one, what is one thing someone can do today to help them towards a goal of starting their own business? Ask someone to help you. It doesn't have to be a professional. It could be your friend, your mom, your sister. Just ask someone to help you start. Like that could be saying, text me in the morning and tell me I need to go research how to start an LLC. Or I need you to help me figure out how to order product wholesale. Like anything that needs to happen, it doesn't matter what hierarchy you think it is. Just ask someone to help you. Just literally like get someone on your side so that you're not at it all alone. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Grace, thank you so much for being on the Making Changes Breaking Barriers podcast today. It was really awesome to hear more about what you're doing over there and just really get to connect with you more since, you know, we obviously had our our little meeting last year, but yeah, I would I would honestly love to stay in contact and maybe even collaborate on more things in the future. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. This has been so fun and you've did it. I mean, you made this so easy and seamless and I feel felt very comfortable the whole time and I'm I'm excited because I love what you're doing and the content that you're putting out so it's always energizing to work with someone who you feel like like I feel like we align in a lot of ways and that's just it's cool. It's awesome. I'm I'm very grateful to be here. I 100% agree with that. So if you are listening to this podcast and want to learn more about Grace and Wild Ellis and the marketing services that they offer. You can check out both her Instagram at Grace Pills. I'll go ahead and link that in the podcast description as well as the Instagram page for Wild Ellis, which is just at Wild Ellis. So last thing before we go, like always, I'm going to leave you guys with my little spiel that I always do, but changing your path will not be easy. It will be challenging. I'll say that over and over again, but it will be worth it. So Do a self-check today. Are you on your path up your mountain? And if not, what path are you on? 